Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. <clears throat> Today we're talking about high blood pressure. Yes, that is true. We're talking about the human animal, who is the sickest species on the planet. <clears throat> now, let's let's look at this. You know other animals on the planet. You you've seen bears and deer and buffalo and and rats and I mean all sorts of animals on the planet. And they all are able to regulate their own physiology. Now, that's the key. See, what you've been taught is a lie. When we talk about high blood pressure, is high blood pressure an actual disease or an, an adaptive response to physical, chemical, emotional stress? So if it's an actual disease, then medications are totally appropriate. So if, that has, if there's something broken in your body that you cannot regulate your blood pressure, then a medication is the key. However, if this is an adaptive physiologic response, like let's say that your body is responding correctly given the environment and that your blood pressure is a response to physical, chemical, or emotional stress, if you take a, a medication for a, an intelligent stress response, you're going to damage the body. And so if this is true, if blood pressure is a disease, then drugs will be of great benefit. If high blood pressure is an adaptive physiologic response, then drugs are a great danger. So let's look at how the body actually regulates itself. Okay, now <clears throat> we're going to be changing how all of our health talks are laid out and the radio show. I'm going to start with solutions first. So do you want to know how your blood pressure is regulated? This is it. You have an automatic nervous system called the autonomics. And it's in two parts. One part keeps you alive under stress. That's the sympathetics. The other part regenerates tissue. That's the parasympathetics. So one part is called the fight or flight or sympathetic system. The other one's the parasympathetic or rest, digest, or repair. Now you need both of these systems active. Uh, it, when one is uh, in dominance, then the other one is suppressed. So you can't have both systems firing off at the same time, but they both have to be active throughout the day. For an example, let's say that you're driving along and you're thinking about lunch. All of a sudden, bam, somebody cuts you off. You have to slam on your brakes. That instant of that slamming on the brakes is the fight-or-flight aspect. So under stress, and this is physical stress, chemical stress, or emotional stress, your brain literally um, shuts down blood supply to the gut, elevates blood pressure, elevates blood sugar, elevates cholesterol. I mean, all of the modern diseases that we think about are stress-related. And, and there's only three different types of stress. So isn't that odd that high blood pressure is the result of a sympathetic dominant nervous system? It is not a defect of systems in your body. Now, some people will say kidneys regulate blood pressure. Some people will say the heart rate regulates blood pressure. Some people will say the vasodilation and constriction or all the blood vessels opening and closing regulates blood pressure. All of those are true, except I've had patients who've been shot in the kidneys or kidney removed, and they're down to one kidney, and they still can regulate their blood pressure fine. 
So let's look at blood pressure, how it adapts. First, we, we boil all stressors down into three categories. Physical stress, chemical stress, and emotional stress. Now, physical stress could be sitting at a desk. It could have been falling out that skateboard when you were 18. It could have been um, uh, flying around the world. It could have been slipping on the slide. It could have been the water skiing incident. All of these different traumas that you've had, falling off the ladder, slipping downstairs, all of these could have built up into your body, putting you in that stress state. Chemical stress. Look at vaccines, medications, um, the toxic food we're exposed to, toxic environmental um, aspects. So we have radon gas on the inside of the homes. We have electromagnetic frequencies. We have a lot of the obvious stuff, but a, a lot of things that could be missed that are chemical stressors. And then we have the emotional stressors, what your perception is. Like if you are perceiving that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, that's going to be a chronic stressor. Uh, if you're upset because um, you should be doing something, that means you're living towards other people's values. That's a stressor. So, so here's the interesting part. Physical, chemical, and emotional stress, the body responds the exact same way to all three. Uh, so now... When we look at the annals of intensive and emergency um, medicine, they say that autonomic dysfunction is the motor of chronic critical illness, regardless of the ideology. That means it doesn't matter at the cause. The core mechanism of chronic illness or disease, and that includes high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, um, irritable bowel, inflammatory bowel, all of these things, the core cause of this is an autonomic dysfunction. So that means it's a stressor. So let's just look at, at blood pressure. First, you have to breathe. Blood has a function. When you breathe and you breathe out, okay, you breathe in and breathe out, you're breathing out carbon dioxide. So one of the primary purposes or jobs of blood is to carry oxygen and to the tissue and then take carbon dioxide away from the tissue. It's also designed to regulate pH. It has its function. It brings nutrients to the body. It's vital for the immune system. So blood, if you've ever seen a drop of blood, it's fantastic. There's so many different things that you can do with this. Um, to to realize the function of blood. But breathing is intimately associated with it. So we have to look at the diaphragm. Now, the nerve that supplies the breathing muscle, the diaphragm, comes out of the base of the neck. And you can say C3, C4, C5 keeps you alive. That's right, C3, the cervical, third, fourth, and fifth. So at the base of your neck, this is the nerve that supplies the diaphragm. So you might be thinking, well, since breathing regulates blood pressure and regulates heart rate, if we have an alteration or compromised nerve supply in the neck, can that alter diaphragmatic function? Absolutely. So when you're looking at this, if you've got a pinched nerve in the neck, that can negatively affect breathing, and that's going to elevate blood pressure. So what's the world got? Well, they've got a machine called a respirate. And I'm bringing this right up now because, I mean, I figure it's been used for 15 years. I actually got one of these things just for fun. And uh, it's guaranteed by the, um, by the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, uh, to lower blood pressure, 
uh, within, and si we're talking significant. You're talking 16 to 20 millimeters of mercury. I mean, this is like two blood pressure drugs. And what does this fancy machine do? It causes you to sit down and deep breathe for 10 minutes. 15 would be great. And so that means you're just sitting down listening to a tune, deep breathing. It does nothing other than that. And it's better than two blood pressure medications to reduce your blood pressure. So wait a second. So if just breathing corrects high blood pressure, and why don't we tell people that let's fix the curve in your neck, let's make sure that the phrenic nerve is clear of interference, let's get your nerve supply working. Well, what is blood pressure anyway? How do you measure it if just breathing will lower it? Well, I'm going to bring up a couple of studies that show that over 24 hours, blood pressure goes up and down like crazy. Well, what does the medical world say? Well, you go to the standard doctor, they'll typically say 120 over 80, and that's, that's um, systolic over diastolic, which is the first number over the second number. And it's, it's generally measured that the first number is the output of the heart, and the second number is the overall resting pressure of the, of the body. And so it's measured in millimeters of mercury. Uh, here's the challenge. It's changed. Now, you might think that, that the, um, the medical world is based in science, and you'd be sorely mistaken. They say as little as 5 to 10% of advice out there is based in actual hard science. And half of the, what all the doctors know today is going to be proven wrong or out of date within five years. So let's look back. Well, 1997, a joint national committee and they, you know, group of pharmaceutical reps and doctors and they own hospitals and things, they got together and they said, look, everybody on the planet, regardless of age, regardless of weight, regardless of stress level or health level, they all should be 120 over 80. And high blood pressure was 140 over 90. Now that was 1997, so that was really long ago. Well, uh, then you got Joint National Committee 7, which met in 2004. And they said they have science-based guidelines. So now it was no longer 120 over 80. It was 115 over 75. So everybody, and again, regardless of age, regardless of anything, had to have that 115 over 75. And they even said, look, for every increment, of 20 over 10 millimeters of mercury, <clears throat> your risk of cardiovascular disease doubles. So, that, you know, if somebody's going to make a statement like that, that for every increase in uh, 20 uh, over 10 millimeters of mercury and systolic over diastolic, your risk of cardiovascular disease doubles, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It sounds like, wow, this guy's really based in science. Uh, and then they were talking pre-hypertensive is 120 over what used to be normal. Well, Joint National Committee 8 comes around in 2014. And they say, whoa, wait a second. If you're um, over 60, 150 over 90 is normal. If you're under 60, 140 over 90. So think of that. All these people for 10 years that in the beginning their blood pressure lowered to you know 115 over 75, and you're going to see in a couple of minutes that drugs are not benign. These babies are toxic. Um, they, they changed it. 
<clears throat> now, the American uh, Heart Association, the American College of Cardiology, made up their own guidelines. So they broke from the Joint National Committee. And they say um, that now it's 130 over 80. And so what this new guideline is, is it put 46% of the adult population in America has high blood pressure or hypertensives. Um, whereas before, it was only 32%. So they massively increased it. Now here, <laughs> get this. According to Jennifer Faust, medical director of the um, uh, American Academy of Physicians and uh, Family Physicians, uh, Public Health and Science Division, Let, listen to this quote, current evidence doesn't support an absolute threshold for initiating treatment, whether 130 over 80 or 140 over 90. End of quote. So think of that. The American Heart Association, the American College of Cardiology, changed their number. And again, it's not based on science. This is just what they felt right. So now 42% of all of America, or 46% of all of Americans, are now high blood pressure. Here's the problem. University of Alabama did a study, and they said the risk of stroke increased by a third every time you take one blood pressure medication. That's right. The medications they use to treat cause more damage. Then the Journal of the American Medical Association comes out, and they found out all of these people, and they did research, 48,000 heart failure patients, 48,000 of them. And they found out if they had higher blood pressure, they had lower death rates. That's right. If they had blood pressure of over 161, and, and, you know, of course, what do they say? They say, you've got to lower your blood pressure because you're going to cause a stroke or you're going to cause kidney damage. Is that true or is this a normal stress response? See, no one is saying that if you have consistently high blood pressure, that's a good thing. That's a stress response. So the normal response to physical, chemical, or emotional stress is to elevate the blood pressure, elevate the blood sugar, and blood supply to the gut shuts down. It's not the high blood pressure that's the problem. It's the chronic stress response. The body's always on. It doesn't have a chance to regenerate its tissue. So now let's take stroke patients. And here was I mean, a couple of brilliant studies. Anyone with a stroke, and this is um, acute ischemic stroke, so all of a sudden the brain doesn't have enough blood pressure. What do they do? They artificially raise blood pressure in people who have just had acute strokes, not to exceed 200 millimeters of mercury, and they found out, oh my gosh, they improved. And they improved rapidly. So they're looking at artificially elevating blood pressure in stroke victims to protect the brain by increasing the flow of blood. Let me repeat that so that you get this. Okay, They're elevating blood pressure in people that had strokes to protect their brain. So could high blood pressure be an adaptive response by the intelligence of the body, or is it like what uh, the medical uh, cultural authorities have now that they say, oh no, it's bad? Well, let's, let's see out of the Journal of Hypertens if it's accurate to even measure somebody's blood pressure. They say it's virtually impossible to find an accurate blood pressure reading in a clinical setting. Uh, how is that? 
Well, let's say, okay, so so for one, you can't check it accurately in the in the hospital. Nobody really knows the, the right number. So what are you going to go with? You're going to go with the Joint National Committee 8, and if you're over 60, you need 150 over 90? Or are you going to go with the American College of Cardiology, where you need 130 over 80? Heck, to heck with everyone. Go to Joint National Committee 7. Go with the 150 and over 75. Take drugs for days. Well, let's find out. What do the drugs do? According to the American Journal of Cardiology, calcium channel blockers increase heart failure. So one of the drugs they use to give you to lower your blood pressure causes heart damage. Along with that University of Alabama study that says, look, if you're on three blood pressure drugs, your risk of stroke is through the roof. You're, you're better off with no drugs. What about a study on diuretics? They talk about 37,000 hospitalizations for diuretics, which are used to lower blood pressure, and 4,200 more deaths. And they did a, a brilliant trial called Mr. Fit, Multiple Risk Factor Trial. <clears throat> and their goal was to get people down below 140 over 90. However, again, the group treated with diuretics had the highest death rate. Well, I mean, think of this. If your blood is thick, now how many people drink enough water? How many people drink enough fluid a day? How many people have a healthy diet? Well, back in 89, the Journal of Angiology, they go in and they find out the viscosity of the blood, the thickness of the blood, has a massive effect on what the blood pressure is. So doesn't it make sense that deep breathing and drinking water are going to be one of the greatest solutions? So this is what you do. Look at the pulse pressure. What the pulse pressure is, is the difference between the high number and the low number. And this will give the, the, the stress level. See, high blood pressure is not a disease. It's an adaptive physiologic response. And so what you want to do, you don't want to drug your body. You want to look at the physical, chemical, and emotional stressors. And one of the ways to do that is to check the difference between the high number and the low number. Or the pulse pressure. So if you have 120 over 80, that's a difference of 40. If you have 120 over 60, that's a difference of 60. If you have 120 over 100, that's a difference of 20. Now, 40 is about normal. Okay, that's about the normal range. But now let's say that someone's under stress and, and you, you have like less than 40. So that means that the heart's working hard to maintain a higher level. So that is an acute stress state. And if you have less than 40, that means you have to look at the physical, chemical, or emotional stressors. Let's say that you have a greater than 40 or 120 over 60. Um, so let's say you have you know, something greater than 40. It means the blood might not be too efficient or efficient at its job because the heart rate has to be elevated in order to keep the, the, the function of the body. Um, correct. So look at juicing, blending, nutrition. Look at um, breathing. Now, how do you check your blood pressure? Well, for one, you have to sit down with your arm level with your heart and deep breathe for 10 minutes diaphragmatically. Now, remember, a cold room, full bladder, um, you know, it, all of these things can negatively affect blood pressure. Stress will negatively affect it. So your arm is resting level with your heart. Diaphragmatically breathe for 10 minutes. Uh, make sure your bladder's empty and you're fully hydrated. And then you check it. 
And all you're looking for, I'm telling you right now, is look for the difference between the high number and the low number. If you have a higher blood pressure on what measurement? Again, I want you to get away from looking at the measurements as being based in science. Every 10 years, these guys come out and say they have the new science-based guidelines. Yeah, right. What do you think they're going to say in 20 years from now? Do you think, oh my gosh, we turned out that the drugs we were giving you were killing people? Yeah, no kidding. If you read the journal articles, it tells you that. So you don't take a toxic chemical that damages your body. You find out why the body's working correctly. And look at this. If you look at the Journal of Hyper Clinical Hypertension, they say as we age, our blood pressure changes. And it changes. Why? Because the pulse pressure gets larger. See, the, the arteries have a springability to them. And that springability helps with the flow of blood. Now, as we age, we lose the ability to break those proteins to amino acids, so our tissue becomes less flexible. And this is why, in the old days, they used to say blood pressure was 100 plus your age. So what are the known causes of hypertension? Poor sleep patterns, obesity, um, all medications, contraceptives, um, emotional stress, coffee, over-the-counter drugs, full bladder, time of the day, room. I mean, there's so many things that, that alter blood pressure. Basic, basic, look for the physical, chemical, and emotional stressor. You find that, you're set. I mean, even according to the Journal of the American Medical Association, and I love this quote, many current practices that seem to be logical but are without evidence may be reconsidered and incorporated into a less dogmatic and more patient-centered approach to care. Wait a second. More patient-centered approach to care? Does that mean that we should look at each person and their lifestyle factors and their stress factors instead of just sticking their arm in a cuff and giving them a drug? Gee, that makes sense. Um, like, how good are these drugs? Remember, one of the stress responses is to elevate cholesterol. Why? Because that's a precursor to stress hormones, and it's used for um, hormone production and tissue repair. And what does the expert review of clinical pharmacology have to say about cholesterol-lowering drugs? They increase hardening of the arteries and heart failure. Now, if your arteries are getting hardened because you're taking a cholesterol-lowering drug, uh, your pulse pressure will be larger than 40. Why? Because you're being poisoned. Okay, and they go on to state, quote, this, the epidemic of heart failure and atherosclerosis that plagues modern world may be paradoxically be aggravated by the pervasive use of statin drugs. We propose the current use of statin treatment guidelines be critically reevaluated. End of quote. No kidding. When you look at the Journal of Clinical Cardiology, um, they say the cholesterol-lowering drugs decrease mu heart muscle function. Um, it, it, uh, if you look at the Journal of Atherosclerosis, they see an increase and in extent of coronary plaques possessing calcium. Heck, when you look at the Journal of the American Medical Association, they say if they do it right, they give you the right drug at the right time in the right dosage, 128,000 people a year die. And that's if it's done correctly. 
Heck, even if you look at the Journal of Law and Medical Ethics, they say that there's a, a myth of safe and effective drugs. Because think of this. I don't care what the condition is. You've got 10 people in a room. You give each of them one drug. Are they going to have the exact same response? No. And again, let's use this common sense. Instead of this, this BS of more evidence-based guidelines that we're going to come up with every 10 years so that you can sign up and roll your sleeve up for the new shot or the new drug or the new therapy or the latest thing, you know, instead of saying, look, you get a doctor that goes in there and says, your body is intelligent. You're designed by God. You, you're an adaptive physiological being. You've been on this planet for eons and that your body is adapting. What we got to really do is look at the physical, chemical, and emotional stressors. We're not going to drug the heck out of you with these toxic substances because we are smarter than your body. Now, what does the New England Journal of Medicine have to say about this? They say don't go for your annual physical, that there's an inverse relationship to the amount of money you spend on this type of health care and your health. The more money you spend, the sicker you get. Honest to goodness. And this data, I'm not making this up. This is all journal peer-reviewed articles. Uh, when, look at how your body responds. And look at the population around you. Is this the healthiest population the world's ever seen? Or is it some of the sickest people on the planet? All you've got to do is look at the kid population. 54% of those kids have a chronic illness or disease that they will never recover from. Welcome to the world of medicine. What other things can you do to regulate your physiology? And I'm not going to say lower blood pressure, because right now, whatever your blood pressure is, it's appropriate based on your stress. Your body is self-healing and self-regulating. Right now, talking to you, I know my blood pressure is elevated, because it has to be. I'm in a sympathetic dominant state. I'm seeing these beautiful human beings, I mean, just coming in here, drugged to the max, sick as all hell. Why? Because of this ignorance system that's taking a normal um, physiologic response to stress. It's taking your body's ability to adapt to this world, and they're drugging it. And what happens? You get sicker and sicker. And that is a crime. That uh, it drives me crazy. So let's look at the Journal of Human Hypertension. What did they do in 2007? They did a double-blind placebo-controlled trial of a chiropractic adjustment for blood pressure. And what did they say? Uh, Atlas adjustment. So we're talking one adjustment had as much effect on blood pressure as two drug combination. Oh, by the way, remember how I just said that if you're on three drugs, blood pressure drugs, your risk of stroke increases? Turns out the chiropractic adjustment doesn't have that risk of stroke. Okay, they're talking atlas adjusting, so they're only adjusting one bone at the top of the neck, and it's more effective than two blood pressure drugs. Um, look at the solutions. Boil it down. You've got physical, chemical, and emotional stress. Physical stress, you need to have x-rays of the spine. You need to get a heart rate variability analysis, posture analysis, and then look at the clues. Look at bunion formation. That means an unstable pelvis. And the, look at what you can do to exercise. Move your body. 
you exercise this at least a half hour a day. Deep breathing, just deep breathing. You don't need to get a respirate. If you want to, get one. If not, don't. Just sit down and deep breathe. So what do you do for emotional stress? Do the neurolinguistic programming. If you can't see any solutions to your life, do the 100 things to do, be, or become. Set goals. Look at our goal-setting video. Do sleep restriction therapy so you're going to be sleeping through the night, not getting up. Do the deep breathing. Exercise for emotional health. Just moving. And what do you do for chemical stressors? Well, if you've been vaccinated, <clears throat> particularly on on the standard crazy schedule they have today, look at oral chelation or IV chelation because you've been toxic. Uh, you're going to see swelling of the meninges. There's going to be inflammation in the brain. Just know that if you've been vaccinated, particularly with the 72 doses of 17 different vaccines, you got some some damage. If you're taking medications, find a doctor that will find the cause and fix it. Medication obviously are toxic to the system. You're going on an organic plant-based diet. You're going you're to clean your water with healthy filters. You're going to exercise and deep breathe. You're going to have more respect for your body than ever. Um, check out ExtremeHealthAcademy.com. Uh, tons of webinars. I mean, multiple doctors from around the world. I recommend it. And look at our site, the DrJohnBergman.com site. We have so much data, so much information. It is, uh, I mean, a wealth, a Trevor trove, treasure trove. Tonight, we're going to go full bore at this. Because this information, people are dying because of ignorance. They're dying because of they're trusting a system that says it's based in science, and it's a falsehood. It, it's it, that no more, no more are these doctors going to be lying. We're going to change this world by having you look in the mirror and appreciate that your body is self-healing, self-regulating. You are built by God, baby. And I'm going to show you how to work this system so that your body can be healthy to 120, no drugs, full strength. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. God bless you, and I love you.